0: In 2016, Nathan journeyed to the North American heartland in an effort to relive the lives of his most adored writers and musicians. It was a romantic gesture of sort, a homage to his idols. And as all great stories go, there's a twist. In Nathan's case, one that would place him in the hands of a hostage situation. This week's episode, Clarity, it brings you the tale of Nathan and his journey down the Colorado River. So, let's just go from the beginning. Why did you decide to come to America?
1: I mean, I listened to a lot of music, punk music, and grunge music, and um, a little bit of me wanted to go discover the same streets and bridges and buildings that the artist that I enjoyed listening to would write music about this stupid romanticism.
0: I had already been travelling in America for three months and I had encouraged Nathan to come and join me. I guess I was a big part of the reason for him coming. But early on into our trip, I had to head to Canada, do a visa run. This left him to travel alone and Nathan, being the gregarious person that he is, turned to his social networks to find out what was happening around America.
1: Uh, it was very easy for me. I just t- turned to my phone and to my social networks, such as couch surfing, and found other people to travel with. How does that unfold? You, you search for events in a certain area. You know, I found a group of people who were going to go rafting down the Colorado River, and they all had pretty good references, and they all seemed really safe, so I decided to go along.
0: For some people listening, this may seem like a very outlandish idea a way of finding friends through social networks such as couch surfing. But for Nathan, it was natural. He's a very affable person and one who is happy to find friends no matter where they may be. Like, how do you judge if they're safe or not? References. Pictures they choose to put up. The way they write their bio. Are they weird? And sometimes weird is good, right? So the trips would start in Utah, where you would then enter into the Colorado River from there. I remember it was five of us and we crawled into this sort of biggish car and we
1: drove out and it took us about two days to get to Utah and then eventually we set the raft up and we were on the river and we went down it for, a, we were meant to go down it for six days.
0: Prior to heading out on his trip, Nathan had actually met someone else named Carrie in Northern California and this is where the story starts to get interesting. You know, this person just looked like they were having their
1: lunch and that's what they were doing. So I came over and then... She said that she usually wouldn't allow strangers just to come and say hello or sit by her, but she said that I had a nice smile and that I looked safe. You start speaking with Carrie, and
0: she seems like a very regular person.
1: Well, I wouldn't say necessarily regular. I mean, she had a strange accent, a little bit of an Arkansas sound. Like a southern accent. Yeah, southern accent. We had a lot of similar politics about um, feminism and queerness. And that definitely made me feel like this person's all right. And So you asked her to come on the rafting trip with you. I said the next day I'm going on a trip with four others to go down the Colorado River and there's a spare seat if you want it. She said, oh, wow, that sounds really cool.
0: That would actually maybe be really good for me. Does that not raise a red flag for you that you had just met this person and you asked her, tomorrow I'm going on a rafting trip, do you want to come? And she was just like yeah, that's that's possible. Like you know does she have a job? does she does she, does she study? Like did, did that cross your mind?
1: I mean, it didn't really I, I didn't have a red flag because she seemed like on my level, on my wavelength. The next day comes and she says yes. Uh, so you know, we all met up at one of the travelers' places in Oakland. We all jumped in the car and started driving east.
0: So at this point on the trip, it sounds great. Nathan's going away with now five people who he's befriended and life's good. He'll go on this two-week journey down the Colorado River and I will come back and we'll meet up again at the end of it. But early on, things start to change. Hamid, the organizer behind the whole trip, decides to jump into the water, thinking it would be a good idea. But turns out it was far shallower than he thought. There's some point, I don't remember exactly what day it was into the rafting trip, where,
1: you know, we'd frequently, frequently dive off the raft and go for swims individually. You know, I would go down and swim, like, 200 metres down from the raft and just swim by myself. It was
0: beautiful. And the raft there. can come pick you back up.
1: Yeah, because it's all downstream. And um, this one point, um, Hamid jumps and dives off the uh, raft, but he didn't check how shallow it was in the water. And it was only about a feet or two below the water where there was these rocks, and he dived headfirst into these rocks. I guess we're all freaking out, like, what do we do, oh fuck, and we pull him aside. He's, like, in a lot of pain and agony. Carrie kind of flips into this immediate, like, leadership position, which is, like, we have to get him safety, and, you know, she pulls him out of the water and puts him into that position you put people in, when they have a neck injury, you know, just flat on a surface. And there was no reception out there, but a boat passed by who had connections to emergency
0: services, and so they send down an emergency service boat. The third day into this rafting trip, all of a sudden, the leader, the guy who had organised the trip, breaks his neck. And this is where the story starts to take a turn. It was already
1: strange events that have happened. But, you know, it really did take a turn that night when we camped at another sandbank there was just so much pressure you know the whole time because it was like this question of like do we finish the rafting trip or do we end it a day or two early
0: and not go down the rapids after the leader had broken his neck one of the other guys in the team decided to go back to hospital with him that left nathan with two others the lady he had found carrie in northern california and angeli one of the others who had joined through the couch surfing app so we're down the river and we're sleeping at the fourth sandbank and
1: um it's carrie angelie and i and carrie that night accused angelie and i of having a romantic relationship and just out of the blue yeah behind her back and we told her that i mean we (laughs) how could we had a romantic relationship there was no privacy the entire trip but you know she that's what she thought she thought that we were secretly like doing things behind her back that was the start of like carrie's illusion that we were against her Decided not to go down the rapids because I guess we felt that there, that team had been lost, and we, I didn't. I don't think any of us felt safe to go down these grade three or four rapids without a team, a, co- a cohesive team, because that's what you need to stay uh, safe. Going down rapids is all about teamwork, and so we decided to ask we asked the emergency service to come pick us up the next day. The next day they picked us up, and put all all our rafting equipment, deflated the raft, put it all in the emergency boat, and went back upstream.
0: The three of them end up getting a hitch with the emergency services and head north in search for home. But before they can make it to Northern California, they decide to spend a night in a small rural town called Logan.
1: I decided to just camp in a small campground between in this canyon between these two large mountains just outside of logan where there was no reception we're all we've set up our three tents decided to sleep separate tents you know started the fire and had some dinner and that's when things started to get a bit strange we're sitting around the fire i think we're making you know getting the the marshmallows on the sticks melting them, eating them. It's really nice. And Carrie started having like a monologue speech, you know, like like a mental breakdown. She's sort of going, she's switching between all these different emotions. So at one point, she's really happy and just says how much she loves us. And the next moment, she's crying and saying how sad she is. And the next moment, she's really angry and saying how much she hates us. And the whole time, the most of the time, her eyes are looking directly at me. in a a, you know prolonged stare and she's sort of like pacing back and forth around the fire and she's saying things like oh like i know i know what's up she would say she she would just like she would say it with such intensity you know and it was really dramatic to have someone say these things and just switch so quickly between all these different emotions you know like all these different personalities coming out at that point I didn't know what to expect. I was just trying to keep it all cool and chill and say, like, okay, I think it's time to go to bed. I guess eventually Angelie and I both decide to go to bed and sleep in our respective tents. I was in a swag and Angelie was in a tent and Carrie had a tent set up as well. And Carrie just sort of, like, said, oh, I'm just going to hang about the fire a bit more and then I'll go to bed. And then we're both in, I'm in bed and I close my eyes. And then about an hour later, I open my eyes and... I see this, like, dark figure. I can just, I didn't know it was her, necessarily. I was in a swag. My head was exposed to the air. And I said, Carrie, is that you? And all I heard back was, shh. I said, Carrie, I can see you. Like, what are you, why are you up? She said, shh, there's someone in the woods. I was just really nervous. I was just like, what is going on? Like, you know that point when you just realize, like, you have no idea what another person's thinking and like you don't no idea how they're gonna how they're gonna behave next it's yeah so i was just like i ain't going back to sleep one point like yeah um she kept saying like i know what you're gonna do i know you're gonna both leave me and head back to california in the morning and you're going to leave me here in Utah. You're going to wake up early, you're going to leave me. So I'm staying awake to make sure that doesn't happen. And I tried to say that was an illusion, or maybe not with those that word, but I tried to say, like, you know, that's not going to happen. Like, don't worry about it. Like, we're here for you. Like, we're all a team still. I know there's been some hiccups in the team cohesiveness, but at the end of the day, we're all going to go back to California together tomorrow. And she just wouldn't believe me. Looking back on it, like... Uh, I was young, you know, I didn't know much about mental health or how it worked. I didn't know how to deal with it. You know, now I do because that's what I do for work. You know, I work with young people with mental health issues. And if I were, had the skills that I have that I do now, I could have dealt with it properly, but I was young, you know, and I didn't know how to deal with it. I guess I just felt like something was not in my favor. Like there was there was a power shift, you know. I didn't. There was a power that she had that I didn't, and that scared the shit out of me. And at one point during the conversation that I was trying to convince Carrie that it's going to be okay and you can go back into your sleeping bag in your tent and have some sleep, Angelie wakes up and asks what's happening. I didn't say anything, and Carrie told Angelie saying like I'm not going to sleep. I can see right through both of you. I know what's you're both planning and plotting against me. You know, at this point, we had, Anjali and both and I had gone to sleep knowing that Carrie was already acting weird around the fire and already saying really intense things and having these big emotional turns. And so we were just trying to sleep it off. Anjali was just like... Bit more upfront about it and a bit more like just go to sleep, like, oh, like, like it's gonna be okay, and a, and a little bit less soft spoken about it, and perhaps slightly escalated the situation. At one point, I asked Carrie, I'm gonna use the toilet and I'll be back, and she told me that I wasn't allowed, that I couldn't do that. And then I got up and refused, and I tried to get my shoes, and she pushed me back down to onto the floor. And she got my shoes, threw them into the bushes and then she could see that I had my phone and she saw that I had
0: my um, camping knife and she took those two things from me. So now it's become a hostage situation. The two items that Nathan had that potentially could have saved him, first being his phone and second, if needed, his knife, is in the hands of the lady now standing over him.
1: Well, when she pushed me back to the ground she said stand down stand down and it became you know like i was it, it became very that militaristic identity came out you know i didn't know anything you know i didn't know how to deal with that with words that sort of you a know, flight or fight response kicked in and and, I, and I, the, the reason i asked to go to these toilet because i thought i'd use it to maybe try get reception and call who police
0: From an innocuous camping trip down the Colorado River, the situation has changed. And on this particular night, Nathan starts fearing for his life. When, when you realise
1: that, like, shit, I actually don't know what the next thing that's going to happen. I don't know whether I will see the sun come up. Are these the last... Like, I don't... Because, like, if I were to make the wrong move, like, try to run, I feel like she would have... I don't know her background. I don't know anything about... How escalated it could have gotten. I don't know
0: how she would react. At this point in the night, it's about 2 a.m., and something drastic happens. Angela, the other person who is also being held captive, escapes. She barges out of her tent and runs for the nearest road. Unbeknownst to Nathan, she's gone to get help. Regardless, Nathan is now left to fend for himself. She said, I wasn't even allowed to move an inch. And obviously she was trying to figure out,
1: what do I do? What do I do? I don't know. I, I assumed that. And I was like, if I startle her, if I trigger anything, it's so easy to slip a knife into someone's throat or something. You know, it's, it's so easy to do something stupid. I was just thinking how easy it would be, you know, and how quick it could be and how it just it's just one wrong move or one wrong behavior. And someone who is as heightened as Carrie seemed to me could just make a mistake. And, but on, this, on the other half of that was about, you know, the love of my life at the time, which is my partner at the time. And that was, you know, it reinforced that how much um, I loved her. And the other half, <laughs> the other half of that half was thinking, what am I, what have I done so far? What have I done with my life? And what do I want to do? I just felt like I hadn't done much.
0: This ordeal would go on for a couple hours more. Nathan hadn't known, but Anjali had run to the nearest town and hailed down a truck. The truck had then called the police and the police were on their way. It would take two hours for the police to get to Nathan, where they would find him and Carrie in what was a hostage situation. Since then, Nathan's changed a lot. This near death experience really altered his life. Just realised
1: how it's the whole cliche really sinks in in a really realistic way but I think you start making I started making goals are a lot more short-ended you know not long-term goals like short-term goals because I don't know I just I guess I wanted to start really achieving things I just I realized that everything we do in life is just another experience that we add on like and and it's okay to do things that are a bit wild
0: and to be active to be more alive be busy to keep busy what have you done in your life since returning home that spurred by this moment well i just got involved in a lot of things you know i apart from having a job it was
1: working with young kids with mental health issues like i've been, i've evolved myself in a lot of activist communities and i guess I realized that like you really only do live <laughs> once and and as cliche as it sounds it's really it's really like you you it, it's okay to do outrageous things or to do radical things and to to live my life living by the status quo or to live my life as I was, which was doing things occasionally that were interesting, it wasn't enough, you know. And I realized, you know, I, and so you know, I got fairly heavily involved in environmental activism as it sort of sparked by that sort of feeling of like I I want to keep busy and be active, you know. And and I I didn't care if I, if it was a radical group of people, you know. I I wanted to to be a bit radical. I wanted to have done things that weren't the status quo, and to actually make some contribution to the world. And so, you know, I, I was involved in the Adani coal mine blockades early this year. I mean, that was just another thing I've done, and and so and that was, you know, voluntarily getting myself arrested by stopping coal trains, getting to the coal mine, stopping coal trains, getting to the uh, coal port in central Queensland and I just realised like you know that whole like I'm gonna stop like not doing much and start doing more, being involved in the the writing community in Sydney, being involved in the radio community, just doing a lot more and being active and
0: stopping lazy. Is it a coincidence that you now work in mental health with children that are predisposed to similar conditions that Carrie had? It's not a coincidence, I mean it's not anything, it's, it's just where I ended up because of the circumstances of my life. If you had to go back to that situation now, you think you could handle it differently?
1: No, 100%
0: I'd be a little bit more
1: capable. It was just a realisation of how like little power you can have over your own life,
0: because you're dealing with something that isn't logical. Are you going to continue to live like this, sort of setting short-term goals and continuing what other people would label as radical activism? That's no, just
1: one part of short-term goal. Yeah, I mean, the question about, like, doing things for the short term, yeah, I think it makes me a lot happier. It makes me achieve things quicker.
0: For Nathan his trip to Northern America was fraught with danger, violence, deceit, but above all, clarity. Shaw's heroes have come and gone and made their mark on not only the US, but clearly people like him too. This close encounter was a catalyst for Nathan, for doing good and shaping the lives of those around him, much the same as his idols had done to him. Bring to Beginning is hosted and produced by me, Jesse Burns. A big thank you to Nathan for sharing such a personal experience and one that clearly still affects him today. Follow us at bringtobeginning.com where we'll have a new episode in the coming weeks. Until then, keep on living.